Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. This week on the Chicago Bears Review, with our beloved over the first win of the season hump, they take a short trip east to Indiana to invade Lucas Oil Stadium for an opportunity to make it two in a row on the year and three straight against Andrew Luck and the Colts. Can the Bears keep the good times rolling, or will the losing reconvene? All of this and so much more on the Week 5 preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. first quarter of the season is over the second quarter kicks off this sunday when our beloved chicago bears travel to indianapolis to take on the fellow one in three indianapolis colts what's going on everybody larry d back for the week five preview episode of the chicago bears review and this is a pivotal game for both teams both one and three neither team really living up to any kind of expectation that they had going into this uh, season um, if you guys remember when we had Josh Wilson on during the uh, during the summer when we were previewing all of our opponents, you know, somewhat skeptical but still very optimistic as to what the future held for the Indianapolis Colts and and the Colts being my AFC team, I was a bit pessimistic, very disappointed in their off season. However, still hopeful that the Colts could be what they had been and um, you know reclaim the AFC South division. So, you know, it's uh it's uh, been a t- troubling time for both franchises and it's a big game for both teams because uh the Bears coming off their first win of the season, a home victory over the Detroit Lions and the Colts coming off a very bad performance last week in London against the Jaguars and um you know, the first team I think since the whole London thing started to not get a bye after that by after that uh that travel that trip overseas they elected to take their bye week later on uh, in the season and um you know play through and we'll see how that affects them uh on sunday but it's it's such a pivotal game i thought it important to have two guests on the show so i'm doubling down on the fact that technology is working for me uh finally and uh we're gonna have kyle frank from football is america my other co-host on the uh on the show and uh we have a a fun conversation we're going to have him up first and then we're going to bring back josh wilson from stampede blue on sb nation to wrap up the show uh and uh, we'll get his take on um on uh, what the colts is and 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 you'll hear in, in both conversations in they're very, you know, somewhat, I want to say I'm disappointed, but I'm also not surprised at the same time that a lot of the conversation had to do with 
uh, bringing back Ryan Grigson, bringing back Chuck Pagano when that was really at the end of the 2015 season, really the last thing most people were expecting. And the fact that Grigson as GM hasn't done his hasn't done his job in acquiring, you know, the, the same kind of players that the Colts are used to having and Pagano not really doing the best job coaching those guys and that's why the Colts are in the spot that they're in uh is Andrew Luck's uh time in Indianapolis is it being wasted did they squander you know having this this uh next best of all time uh you know player on this team they they lucked out uh you know no pun intended they lucked out on being able to draft this kid after losing Peyton Manning and um you know it hasn't really worked out or he's you know supposed to be an elite level quarterback but because of the beating that he's taken because he's constantly under pressure he makes the mistakes that uh, he wouldn't normally make if and when he has the time to be able to do his job correctly so um, you know it's it's tough to watch especially like I said the Colts being my other team when I'm not rooting for the Bears I'm rooting for them and I'm not liking what I'm seeing from either one of my teams right now so Real quick before we get into the conversations, there's not a lot to, or I don't want to spend a lot of time talking because the uh, the interviews are uh, are the bulk of the show here tonight. But the big story coming out of Bears camp this week, obviously, is Kevin White, um, who um, left the game early, I think in the third quarter uh, on Sunday against the Lions, had six catches for 55 yards, um, was having a much better day than he did uh, against the Dallas Cowboys the week before, his best performance of the year by far, where against the Cowboys he had 14 targets and only caught six passes. I think he had eight targets for six catches in this game against the Detroit Lions, 55 yards, was looking good. You know, you can kind of see him starting to get his feet underneath him a little bit. And then... As fate, the the cruel bitch that faith can be, that fate can be sometimes. Um, Kevin White re-injures the leg that he that cost him his rookie season. He has a fractured fibula along with a high ankle sprain. The Bears have effectively put him on IR. However, however, they haven't designated him one way or the other yet. So they have eight weeks to make a decision. The tricky part is they have Kyle Fuller in the same boat now Kyle Fuller hasn't played a snap this year because of the uh the knee injury and uh, his recovery time that he's needed for it however that does mean either our 2014 first round pick or our 2015 first round pick will not play for the rest of the 2016 season so that is what we as Bear fans are staring down the barrel of right now if I had to make a choice if it's possible bring back Kevin White instead of Kyle Fuller because frankly Jacoby Glenn has been a very pleasant surprise Tracy Porter while he did not have a great game against Detroit is more than serviceable I'm liking what I'm seeing so far with DeAndre Hall I think that that's where we can we can afford to uh, you know trim the fat a little bit if it's possible for Kevin White to come back this year if he's ready to go in eight weeks when the Bears have to make a decision I would rather have Kevin White back than I would Kyle Fuller uh, at this point so that's my own personal preference and I would like to it's a touchy subject already but I would like to make a plea for Kevin White to not write him off yet okay it's going to be very hard not to do that even for me you know the guy's been on the team two years he's played in four games 
He missed his entire rookie season with that stress fracture. And I honestly believe that was more to blame on the team than it was to him. Okay, because you remember up until the moment that they told us that he was going to have surgery, we all thought it was shin splints, you know, that that's what he's dealing with. Not the fact that he's had a fresh fracture, a fresh a stress fracture, excuse me, since April that we were trying to see if it would get better on its own. And now it's not. So we're just going to, you know, basically hang the kid up for the for the rookie season. And then that's it kind of thing. You know, this is more more bad luck than anything else it's not that he's not taking care of himself uh you know they showed a screenshot of when the injury happened one of the lions fell on the back of his legs basically trying to make a tackle turned his leg the wrong way and 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 there you have it so you know it's unfortunate his development especially finally getting to see him play this year and for him to to kind of have the rug pulled out uh from underneath him just when he really looked like he was starting to 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 find himself out there get his feet underneath him um this goes and and happens so if it does cost him the rest of the season let's wipe the slate clean when it comes to 2017 you know he's um it's not like he's gone out there and he's been terrible he's just (laughs) he's been unlucky uh so far so um you know, while I'm frustrated and pissed off that Kevin White is hurt again and could miss the entire season, I'm still willing to give the kid one more chance in 2017. If he can't stay healthy next year, then there's nothing I can do for you, and whatever happens, happens, and so on and so forth. But, uh, you know, it's just unfortunate luck. Hopefully he'll be able to come back this year and build on what he had, uh, what he was doing in the first quarter of the year and go from there. But if he doesn't, then... 2017 let's 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 give him a fair shake and if he lets us down next year then that's 0 for 3 then you know i'll be on the band i'll be in the front you know i'll be the captain of the ship you know i'll be the i'll be the first one to jump off the kevin white bandwagon then but for now let's give the kid the benefit of the doubt it's just bad luck other players have come back from from worse to have decent careers but um you know you know, I w- don't don't call him a bust just yet because he's shown flashes. He's shown, you know, some flashes of the of what we drafted or what we thought we were getting when we drafted him last year in the time that he's had early this this season. So don't write him off just yet. You know, give the kid a break because he's not getting any on the football field at this point. So he's not a bad football player. He just hasn't had a chance to really show us that he's a good one just yet. So anyway. We'll go ahead and get started with the interviews. We're going to have Kyle up first, and we're going to bring in uh, Josh Wilson. And, um, you know, I'll come back at the end to uh, talk to you guys uh, about my quick prediction, the keys to the game, and, and, and uh, so on before we wrap it up. So we'll go ahead and get started with all the interviews. Bring it up first from Football is America, my good friend and yours, Kyle Frank. And to help us with the beginning, we're going to kick it off with you, Kyle, to to start off this analysis of the Bears and the Colts, the man, the myth, the legend, the complainer, Kyle Frank from Football is America, my other compatriot uh, from the show. Welcome, finally, to the Chicago Bears Review. May you please now stop complaining about you not being a guest on my show. It really takes a lot of the wind out of my sails. It really does. (laughs) 
so you don't have to have that animosity towards me anymore. You've been jabbing me with that comment for over a year that I haven't had you on the show. And, and he takes it personally because he's a Colts fan, so we weren't playing the Colts last year, but we're playing the Colts now. And here you are, Kyle, just like I told you you'd be. Oh, yeah. And I'm almost a little upset because what do I have to complain about now other than my team, um, which takes up a lot of my complaints, right. let's be honest. <laughs> uh, but you also need, like, Chicago Bears Review listeners, you need to also understand Larry delivered, like, this great burn where we're doing Football's America, and I'm like, okay, you have Ron on the show, but not me. And he's like, yeah, Ron's my friend. And it's just like, <laughs> oh, slam dunked all right right in my face and you you gotta own those moments he got me he got me and it it's such a good burn that i wasn't even offended i was just proud because <laughs> kyle thinks that he's slowly but surely been corrupting me in the time that i've been doing the show with them so that's 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 why it was a I, a proud papa kind of moment yeah I, I well that's unfortunately a thing that i do i had at, at one point in the service uh one of my troops moms called me and for for those in the service do not let your mom call your boss ever actually just don't let your mom call your boss ever no matter what you do but in the army it was way worse and you corrupted my little boy all that did was give me so much more motivation i made that kid hate his life (laughs) but he's better for it now well as if my listeners haven't learned enough about you in just the first couple of minutes we are having you on the show for the first time so as per usual with our with our new guests we kind of do a getting to know you kind of moment and and the reason that that we want to have this moment with you is because you are a fan of the indianapolis colts but you are not from anywhere near indianapolis not even remotely yeah so the story of how i came to be a colts fan there's a lot of excuses and you've got to meet me halfway on almost all of it (laughs) So I grew up in Southern California, a town called Chino, cows in a prison, that's it. Uh, 80s and 90s, I guess the Rams and Raiders were there, but my family wasn't into it, I wasn't into it. Okay, fast forward a few years, and this is all Ron's fault. Uh, We're in the middle of a field exercise for some army training, this and that, and he's like, hey, you're playing fantasy football, I need to know your picks. I'm like, I don't know anything about football, why are you doing this to me? Okay, I know that Peyton Manning guy. Get me that guy. I want that guy. And I planned on ignoring it. He just needed me to fill a spot. And I I can't tell you what year it was. I think that was the year the Colts uh, lost in the Super Bowl to the Saints. And I think think that's right. And so, obviously, Peyton had a great year. I won a bunch of games despite knowing little to nothing about football based on Peyton Manning putting up a lot of points. Uh, Fast forward again stationed in Italy and missing America because the sweet air of freedom is not all over Europe. It is not. (laughs) So pizza was good. But uh, the thing that connected me back to America really well was the Colts and football. And so when I became a true, like diehard, I love this team. I, you know, will drink because of this team's failure. That was the 2011 Colts. So, uh, weirdly enough, a Colts fan during one of their low points. Yeah. Not not too many people were like, oh, you know what was great? That 2011 season. Yeah, that was the year that Peyton went out and they had eight quarterbacks and you signed Kerry Collins out of retirement. That was that was fun. 
I still don't know what happened to that guy. Kerry, Con- like they brought him in and he got immediately concussed. And I don't remember them ever releasing him or giving him a, a settlement or what. Ha- like, as far as I know, they took him out back and shot him and the NFL <laughs> pretended like it never happened. You know, I, I think that the, the, the equivalent of they put him on IR and it was a one year deal. So when it was over, that was it. You know, there was no ceremony or anything like that. He played out or he sat the I, – I think they put him on IR for an injury, and then at the end of the season his one-year deal was up and we never saw him again. So, yeah, that's, that's it, pretty much it. So, yeah. It was not a proud moment, but uh, I, I will say we're only, what, four games into the 2016 season, and the 2011 season has fonder memories than this one. <laughs> it was like yeah. acceptable losses. Right. So so that's the the road of Kyle becoming a a Colts fan. So um do you have a favorite moment of the Colts uh, of your Colts, you know, fanship or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. Um Peyton Manning's comeback game as a Bronco coming back to Indy. I had tickets to that game. Uh Ron went with me. Uh you yourself have been to the Luke a few times. Lucas yeah. Oil is a beautiful stadium. Uh, the fans are very accommodating, you know, very friendly and all that. And despite being kind of divided, you know, a lot of people wearing Bronco jerseys and all that, it was still definitely a, a cool moment to be a Colts fan because there were way more luck jerseys than anything. And the feeling was, hey, we love you, Peyton. We respect you. And you'll never be replaced. But you made us Colts fans, not Peyton fans. And you know, the best moment in that game, I think it was like a third down in the third quarter, and the crowd was so loud that Peyton Manning got a delay of game, and he looked so frustrated. And, and as a fan, you're like, we did that. That's not the defense that psyched him out. We did it. And I couldn't talk for about a week after. It was probably the best win of the Andrew Luck era. Beautiful time to be a Colts fan. And then real life happens, you know, o- along the line later. Yeah, the – um the Luke, the the Luke, and I actually my first game was at the RCA Dome, was uh, in two thousand and six, which was David David Carr's rookie year. No, um, Mario Mario Williams, that was his rookie year. But David Carr was the quarterback, and it was freaky being in there for the first time because you couldn't you couldn't hear yourself think when the Texans were on offense, but I could hear somebody cough on the other side of the stadium when Peyton was under center. That is how that is how tuned in the fans were to the game. And it was the same thing in Lucas Oil. Anytime that the Colts had the football, you could hear a pin drop in that place. But when, when the opponents have the football, they're loud, they're raucous, and making as much noise as they possibly can. It was really – it's a crazy experience to go to a game there. If anybody ever gets a chance, they should definitely – uh, do it especially this weekend because the bears are kind of like the 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 next next town over rival i mean for a long time before the colts ever came to town that was a bear market oh absolutely and i i know for you uh the colts are your afc team and for me a colts fan the bears are my nfc team uh, you know partially because of ron partially i mean my mom's from chicago so there's you know whatever close enough but there's there's a friendship I think, well, maybe friendship's too strong. There's at least an understanding between the two teams. They were pretty close. We're not in the same conference. I enjoy it to see you do well. Yeah, yeah. So 
you know, so we have this allegiance to these two teams. One, you know, I'm stronger on one side, you're on the other as far as your your faith in, in one of those teams. But uh, combined, we're a, a whopping two and six, uh, you know, on the season. And uh, for the most part, neither team has really looked all that great. The Colts have been a bit more competitive in their games, kind of down to the wire to the end uh, kind of thing than the Bears uh, have been. But regardless, it's been a mess for both teams in the early going. I don't know how much pride I can say when it's like I have the better one in four team. <laughs> like, no, the Colts are very much a twenty five percent team. Yeah. 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 It's not. So I mean, it's I mean it's it's been a mess in, in the fact that it's it's kind of something that's been slowly heading in this direction because the Colts have uh in the past when you know when Bill Polian was in charge and making the picks and everything they hit on a lot more so there was always somebody new coming up they could let go of an edger and james because they had a joseph Adai. they could you know let go of marvin harrison because they had reggie wayne and so on and so forth that hasn't been the case over the last several years there's really nobody there and in a next man up type situation for the colts anymore uh you're absolutely right and you and i uh had discussed this maybe a month ago and it really resonated with me and i i've gone back and looked at the Colts draft history since 2012. There are two drafted Pro Bowlers for the Colts, obviously Andrew Luck and the other guy is T.Y. Hilton. From the 2012 draft, the only players still on the team are Andrew Luck, Dwayne Allen, T.Y. Hilton. The only person at all on the roster from the 2013 draft is third round pick Hugh Thornton, who is not good. And he's probably only around because he's on IR from 2014, only two players, the second, third rounder. And uh, from 2015, yeah, you got a lot more guys, but the third round uh, selection, their second pick, uh, Dewan or Dijon, or I, I, I never bothered to learn his name because we knew he was going to be bad. Uh, <laughs> Smith, the cornerback. He's already been released, and then it came out, oh, yeah, he's released not necessarily because he's a bad football player, though he is. It's he doesn't care at all. He's got that Des Bryant attitude and no talent to back it up. There are no defensive players on this roster that were drafted before 2015 from the Colts. 2012, 2013, 2014. If you were defensive and drafted, you're gone. Wow. That is awful. Well, the Bears have a very similar similar mark from 2012. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey and Marquise Wilson, who is currently on the pup list, the only people left uh, from that draft. 2013, it's like Kyle Long is pretty much the only person we're talking about on that draft. And, you know, right. it gets better with 2014 and 2015, but, uh, you know, the, the, the last of Jerry, actually the Phil Emery picks, have pretty much all been uh, a disaster, which would speak to how the Bears have progressively gotten worse since Levy Smith gotten fired because they don't have anybody around worth keeping. So uh, it's been a mess across the board. I'd say you at least have this, like, potential for hope yeah. in that Ryan Pace, you know, he's going to make some mistakes here and there, but he's learning and he can develop. You know Ryan Grigson's draft strategy, and they just gave him a four-year extension at the end of last year, so he's here the rest of this year and then three more unless Jim Irsay is willing to just cut him a check to be to be gone. And, and honestly, I think that would probably be the, the smarter thing to do because it wasn't working before the extension. It's really not working now. 
and no. they're going to get Andrew Luck killed before long, and they just gave the guy $140 million. So, you know, I don't, uh, I don't think that uh, if you have to choose between your, your busted GM or a busted quarterback, I'm going to throw out the busted GM every single time. Yeah, and it, I'm reading things now where people are wondering if uh, Andrew Luck's going to end up, you know, that, that same, what was his name, David Carr. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, David Carr. Yeah. Just he got so injured that he, he, he was shell-shocked and he couldn't play anymore, and sports writers are starting to say the same thing is around the corner for Andrew Luck. He's been sacked 15 times this season. Wow. And it's week four. He won't make it to 60. He'll be down with an injury. Or, I mean, I got to figure, if you're at the 40 mark and you're not even at, like, week 10 or 11, you're just like, no, I'm going to sit on the bench. You guys figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think David Carr, his rookie year with the Texans, granted they were an expansion team, but he got sacked 72, 76 times in one season. 70-something times. I mean, you're you're getting sacked at least four times a game. It's, something, it's, that, it's almost five times a game, if I'm not mistaken, that that averages out to per game. And that's just how many times you've been sacked, not how many times you've been hit, pushed to the ground, right. so on and so forth. And, you know, Andrew Luck is taking that kind of beating. He's been sacked 15 times, but he's been hit and pushed down and, you know, all that kind of stuff way more than that this offensive I, line really needs to help him out 32 or 33 quarterback hits have been given up and it, you know that's the offensive line has been is and will continue to be a struggle for this team that's you know against the chargers they looked all right and the team was able to get a win out of it against the broncos not so great and last week against the jaguars of all teams they gave up what was it? Six sacks against the Jaguars? I believe it was. And yeah, you, you're right to laugh. Yeah. You absolutely are. But, you know, it, it's a weird thing to see a center taken in the first round period. It's very weird to see him taken at, I think it was 15 overall that the Colts had. But that's where they're at. Their GM, who is brought in because he was an offensive lineman himself, has such a problem identifying offensive line talent. The only way they're able to get it is to draft super high on can't-miss prospects. Yeah. Now, to be fair, Ryan Kelly looks amazing. And I think the argument could be made that for a team like the Colts with a quarterback like Andrew Luck, having a lockdown center might be worth it. But, man, that's a heavy price to pay for it. Yeah, yeah. Considering that um, you could you still could have gotten pass rush help at eighteen, which uh, you seem to need more on the defensive side. Um, you know, I mean, it's it's it all starts up front with the offensive line and the defensive line. The Colts need help on both sides, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, getting Andrew Luck his Jeff Saturday, I think, was probably the better way to go uh, with the first pick. Anyway, I, I would agree with you largely because. At that pick, there was not a player that you could point at in the draft and say, here is a competent pass rusher who will work in the Colts scheme. And you could look at the center and say, Ryan Kelly will work in the Colts scheme. He addresses one of the top two biggest needs. Yeah, it's a little high, whatever. Some people would say trade down five spots, whatever. They took him at 15. He's there. He should be there, Jeff Saturday, and he's playing very well, especially for a rookie. Which is always good to see. I mean, the guy's got the pedigree. He's from Alabama, where they, 
you know, unless you're a running back, they churn out athletes in Alabama. So, you know, it's uh, it's a good place to, to, to come from. So, um, so you're all the way out there uh, in Alaska. What time do the games kick off for you out there? Uh, games start at 9 a.m. 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's that sounds like it sucks. And it sounds like it's awesome all at the same time, because even the Sunday night game is over at what, like 630 out there? Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you get your evening back, but. I mean, it, it can be a double-edged sword. I mean, for one thing, you, you know, you need to have an early church if you're a church-going man. Right. And the church I attend typically starts at 11. So it's like, so I'm going to miss the second half of the first games. And then, I'll no, no, no. T- tell them I miss them. I'll be there next. Yeah. Well, <laughs> February. I'll be there mid-February. They'll, yeah. they'll, they'll be fine. I get it. Um, I mean, it. It can be a hassle. Uh, the Colts Jaguars game that I wisely slept through started right. at five thirty. Right. Well, I mean, I it started at five thirty to watch that. Yeah, it started at eight thirty here in the Midwest. So it was. Uh, yeah, I didn't get up for that either. But when I got up, because um, I had Ubered the night before, so I didn't get to bed till late. I mean, I think I went to bed an hour and a half before the game started. You know that kind of thing. But. Um, you know, I uh, when I woke up, I was checking all the the tweets and everything, and it just like it was it just sounded disastrous. Josh Wilson from SB Nation, who we're going to have here on the show in a few minutes, um, it, all of his comments were negative, 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 negative. I was like, well, I guess the Colts lost the game because I, I haven't heard one positive thing in, in all of these tweets. You know, while he's live tweeting during the game about the the Colts or the Jags, and uh, you know, turns out the Colts got up got back got behind early big and then had to come back towards the end to make it look interesting at 30 to 27 because i hear the game itself wasn't that close it really was not from from what i've seen watching you know clips and highlights reading the play-by-play and that that's something to look forward to if you're a bears fan in this upcoming game if you can get the colts down early you're probably going to be able to take them out because they start drives incredibly slow they don't get going until very late I, I can't even remember the last time they had an opening drive touchdown. I don't think it was I, – I know they don't have one this year. I don't think they had one at all last year either. This team starts incredibly slow. They get beat. It's kind of weird because Chuck Pagano can make some pretty good halftime adjustments sometimes, but they're behind all the time in the first half. And it's not just behind. Like, they will make – these other teams that they are playing look amazing. Every single team that has played the Colts is now one and three. The Colts are the most one and three of all the one and threes. <laughs> and and when you watch that Lions game, it's like, wow, the Lions run game, is it good? Is it no, it's just the Colts. Hey, is it the Jaguars? Wow, they they have the 31st ranked rushing attack. And they're, they're taking it to this Indianapolis team, maybe. No, it's just the Colts. They do this all the time. They can make your team look amazing. So if I'm a Bears fan, I let, let me give you this advice. Watch at least the first quarter. Because if you get up, and you very well could, it might be the most beautiful Bears win you see in your lifetime. Because the Colts <laughs> might just like, oh, and then we missed a tackle, and... He took it 98 yards. That could happen. I wouldn't even blink an eye. Nice. <laughs> it's super depressing. And you won't get that from Josh Wilson, I know, because he, the, the poor guy, 
he's got to moderate the pack of hyenas of the fans that are just tearing each other apart, half hate the GM, half hate the head coach, and he's got to be middle of the road. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you want to feel worse about that whole running game thing, the Lions, who did have a very good day running the ball against uh, the Colts week one, ran for a grand total of 66 yards against the Bears this past Sunday. So, No, that doesn't make me feel better because that means that they don't have a good running attack. And despite defense being Chuck Pagano, he came in like, hey, week one, day one, I'm your new head coach. You know what I believe in? Run defense. It's like, really? Because that kid from the Patriots put up two hundo on you, and I don't even think he's alive anymore. Yeah, yeah, I, I think uh, we talked about that on Football's America that one time. Like the, I think I made the comment that the Patriots are cloning their own players because a guy that I've never heard of just ran for 200 yards and three touchdowns on, mm-hmm. on the Colts, and, and I'm sure he's probably back in his mason jar by now. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, I, I keep bringing it up because it's cheaper than therapy. <laughs> So it, it allows me to exercise these demons. Yeah, the Colts are well, – one of the reasons you you are going to hear so much negativity after that Jaguar game is I, I think when when Chuck Pagano got re-signed, it was a complete – I didn't know how to feel. I wasn't ready for him to be fired, but I didn't want him back. I felt as though if one person had to go, it should have been the GM, Ryan Grigson, with the understanding of a new GM will come in. If Chuck Pagano can't get things done inside of a year, he'll be out. And that's not at all what happened. They both are, you know, four-year extension guys. And now we're seeing like, okay, huge coaching change. Pretty much the only guy who's still around is Chuck Pagano. Uh, And now we're hearing from the players themselves, oh yeah, we weren't prepared for the Jaguars. That is 100% on coaching. And I think that's what's making the frustration apparent is for for so long, it's been blame the GM for the bad roster. And now I have to wonder, do I have to blame the head coach for not developing the talent? So how do you see this one shaking out? Well, I think it's really going to depend on the way that the Bears choose to attack the Colts. In my mind, the Colts are going to be a little bit tired, a little bit disheartened, maybe a lot disheartened because – Very negative things are being said about them, not just by the media, not just by the fans, but now by former players. And, you know, it's got to eat at them. And I I could really see the Bears pulling away with this one. I really can, because the way if, if I'm going to take out the Colts. I'm going to be looking to do two things to their offense. I'm going to be looking to double cover T.Y. Hilton because if you can take him out of the game, you greatly reduce the Colts' capabilities. Sure, you can go ahead and go to Philip Dorsett. You can go to Dwayne Allen or Jack Doyle. You can throw underneath. I don't even even know who else is a wide receiver on this team. Quan Bray or something like that? I don't know. Whatever. He's some guy. He's not there to actually catch passes. He's there to return punts. The running game is Frank Gore and undrafted free agent Josh Ferguson. I wouldn't be too scared about that, not with the way the Colts offensive line has been performing. So you want to take out T.Y. Hilton because he's the biggest threat and then put pressure on Andrew Luck. The line is going to allow you to do that. I say take full advantage. Uh, get, who is it, um, Pradell McPhee? Is he is he active in this one? 
Uh, he's still got two more weeks left. He got ah. this week and next week. He'll be back for at the earliest he can come back is the the Thursday night game against the Packers. See, I was really hoping he would obliterate Andrew Luck because everything I read was the Colts were going to sign him, and then the Bears did. I'm like, this is going to come back to haunt me. I guarantee it. And now it's not going to, and I feel sad that he won't be the one to injure my quarterback, right. which is a weird emotion to have right now. But yeah. Anyway, on on defense, the Colts are obviously depleted at corner but with Vontae Davis back things are looking good I'd say use your run game the Colts are not strong on the defensive line watch out for Henry Anderson the defensive end sure he's coming back from an ACL tear but I I say test him a little bit see what you can get playing against him but he was very very good before he was injured last year against the run so I'd say watch out for that guy, but take whatever the Colts will give you in the running game. Take what the Colts will give you, you know, with crossing routes. They have never, ever, ever in the Chuck Pagano era been able to stop a slot receiver doing a crossing route. Wes Welker looked like a god every time he played against the Colts. Just every time. He was a third down conversion machine. I'd say go for that and just. I mean, really, you don't have to have a complicated game plan to beat this team. You do not. Because they have a weak roster. They do not have great talent. There is no true way for the Colts to manhandle you into submission. And as long as the Bears are willing to hang tough, I could see them pulling away with a good win on this one. All right. I'll take that. And uh, we'll we'll end it there. We went way over time, but that's what we do all the time on Football is America, which is where you can catch Kyle and myself and our friend Ron Rugg from time to time. You know, when we, we like to team up on Ron and then that's where Kyle thinks he's corrupting me. It's just Ron's an easy target and he knows he it. Really so, is. so that we like to take our shots and you know, Kyle being the, the more long-tenured friend, he knows more shots to take at Ron. I'm slowly learning these things. So, But it is satisfying, then, isn't it? Right. But if you want to hear them give it to me, listen to the last episode. <laughs> because I didn't get online until about five minutes before we were supposed to start. And these two morons conspired against me because I've been giving Ron a hard time about the theme music, which is which awful. Which is awful. It, it is, is and, awful. And to your theme music, I'm like, yeah, this is what I'm talking about. And could you do me a favor? Explain to him how the volume knob works because he always just like music is playing abrupt cut. <laughs> he doesn't no, know how to fade oh, it out. It goes gradually fade. It's a little quieter. And then we talk. None of that. None of that. Tune into Football is America to see how ba- bad sound editing works. and i said that i don't care yeah but i got to uh instead of having to listen to the theme music which is probably some royalty free music ron got off the internet somewhere uh to listening to every version of careless whisper that you can imagine (laughs) we had a polka version we had a reggae version i mean one right after another i was like what the hell's going on here there was was so trance version there yeah, was there was bit version. There was a guy who played just solo trumpet. We had yeah. it all. Yeah. So if you want to hear them give me my comeuppance for for being late to get on the show, that would be the one to listen to. So well, not just that, Larry. When you take Larry away from the Bears and force him to examine the entire league, he's incredibly competent, and so 
it's always great. Like it's it's frustrating though because you just kind of sit back like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well, here's what I think, and then the conversation's basically over, and we all have to be like, well, I guess we're done talking about this now. <laughs> yeah, but we have fun on the show, so you guys should definitely check out the uh, the three of us. And uh, Kyle likes to turn up the volume for Ron, so that's uh, that always makes for more interesting it is experiences all the way as well. Live. Absolutely. Way live. Check it out. Footballsamerica.com, Football's America on podcast and Podbean and Stitcher and whatever. And who, it, Google search it. You're an adult. You know what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. So, Kyle, thanks for finally coming on to the uh, coming on to the show. And, uh, you know, now you'll have to figure out something else to bug me about. Oh, <laughs> Kyle Frank from Football is America, helping us preview the Colts and the Bears for week number five. And now that we got that out of the way, like I said, Kyle can no longer bug me about when I'm going to have him on the show or give me a hard time because I only want to have him on the show when the Colts are playing. I mean, dude, I only had Ron on the team to talk about on the show to talk about the Bears. You know, it just happens to be a Bears show. So he's been on more often. That's all. So but we talk about the Colts. Kyle gets to come on the show. So we look forward to having you back in 2020, Kyle, when the Colts and the Bears play again. So there you go. But um, not to uh, not to slow down at all, we'll go ahead and move right into our talk with Josh Wilson from StampedeBlue.com on SB Nation to further preview this game between our two beloved teams. <laughs> so here to help us preview week five between the Bears and the Colts, Josh Wilson uh, from, uh, is it Stampede Blue or Blue Stampede? I always mix it up. Stampede Blue. StampedeBlue.com uh, on SB Nation. Uh, we had him on earlier to preview the season. And, uh, Josh, I know that we both had a more optimistic view of the season for both our teams. And I don't know if you remember or not, but I told you that the Colts are my AFC team. They have been for many years now. And, uh, you know, to be able to sit here and look at my two teams after four games combined for a, a two and six record is not exactly how I had it uh, mapped out going into 2016. Oh no, I don't think it's what uh, anyone expecting uh, entering the season for either of these teams really had. Um, and just speaking from the Colts' perspective, I mean, this is a team that with Andrew Luck back was supposed to be contending for the division. And I mean, granted, with the AFC South, they still are right in the mix of things, even with a one and three record, but. You know, it was supposed to go a lot better, and, and really they've had a lot of winnable games. They've been in every game so far at the end with the ball, with a chance to win, um, and they just haven't been able to pull it out outside of one game against the Chargers. So I think there's a lot of, you know, I wouldn't say high expectations. You know, last year there were Super Bowl expectations. This year it was a lot less, um, a lot um, different than that. But certainly people expected them to maybe be a 10 or 11 win team and win that division, and now all of a sudden they have a 1-3 and three start in, really have no room for error if they want to uh, crawl their way out of that hole and, and try to compete in the division. Yeah, no, it's not a fun spot to be in. I mean, the Bears are definitely in that spot now, especially with the Vikings off to a 4-0 and start. Green Bay's at 2-1, and so, you know, like you said, no margin for error if the Bears want to try to make any kind of move. The problem with the Bears, of course, being that aside from this past weekend against Detroit, we haven't really looked good against anybody that we played against. I mean, we, we hung tough with the Texans, but for the most part, the Texans dictated and dominated that game they just finally took it over in the fourth quarter against Dallas and Philadelphia was just a mess across the board how have the Colts looked in those first four games because I haven't had a chance to see them play yet well it's been interesting you know they've they've 
looked pretty terrible for quite a bit of the games. Um, but they have this thing. I mean, and they've been doing it for years now. Uh, it's not a new thing this year, but they play terrible. They look ugly in the first half, get behind big, and then start to crawl their way back. And like last last Sunday, for example, against the Jaguars, we saw that again. They get behind double digits, and all of a sudden in the fourth quarter, they start pulling it back, and they had the ball down three, driving, trying to win it, but couldn't convert on fourth down there at the end. So, I mean, they have this thing every game. They've been in it right at the end. But pretty much every game we've seen them start slow and then look ugly in the first half. So uh, I think for the most part I would describe their play as pretty terrible and then bad and ugly. But like I said, they have just, just a knack. In the fourth quarter, when when they're down, Andrew Luck and the offense get going, and all of a sudden they start pulling it out. And, and we haven't seen them pull out those wins like we have in, in some past years, but we've seen that show up once again. Play bad in the first half, all of a sudden turn it on in the second half. And there's a slow starting team. They look bad and then start to start to see how far behind they can get while still pulling it out. So if, if they just came out one game and put up 14 points in the fourth quarter, as you as a fan base probably wouldn't know what to do with yourselves at this point. Oh, no, if they started fast, I mean, it would, be, it would be shocking at this point. But, you know, they're trying a lot of different things, trying to get off to faster starts in games and things like that. Um, and, and a lot of people, myself included, think they need to use more up-tempo, lo- up-tempo offense. Um, earlier in games, you know, I think that's where Andrew Luck is at his best is when he's running a faster paced offense. You know, you don't need to hurry, but you move a little quicker. And, and we haven't seen them do that earlier in games as much as when they get behind later. So I think even trying some of those things, mixing it up, going more up tempo early on in games and doing some of those things could help try to jumpstart the offense and a little bit earlier. And hopefully in doing so, the defense is going to, um, be a little bit better as well whether it's due to motivation or due to their offense not going free and out or stuff like that yeah you know a buddy of mine a real close friend he's uh he's a huge Colts fan season ticket holder he's actually going to be at the game uh on Sunday was was mentioning to me that that he wanted me to mention to you uh you know your thoughts and you kind of just gave them to me on the Colts maybe doing uh a, a no huddle type offense, not so much a a two minute hurry up to the ball and, and snap it and get as many plays done uh, as possible, but more so keeping the defense on its heels, not giving them a chance for substitution. You know, you call two three plays in the huddle, you go out, you run your three or four plays, and then you know see what happens from there because then that that benefits many things like you said it keeps the defense guessing there's not a lot of time for substitutions it's easier on your offensive line uh as well and that's from what i understand struggle to to keep uh andrew luck upright for the most part this year oh absolutely i think you you mentioned several of the benefits to doing so and you know like i said i think andrew luck plays better when he's in that kind of offense and uh, maybe it's because the offensive line you know like you said it's easier on them um, it, it keeps the defense kind of off balance a little bit. And, and with the substitution thing, that's supposed to be a benefit of the up-tempo offense. Now, earlier this week, Chuck Pagano, Colts head coach, mentioned that substitution part is a reason why the Colts don't use it because, you know, they want to be mixing and matching you know, two tight ends on this play, three wide on this play. And so um, but that's a questionable reason not to do it, I think, because part of the benefit is that the defense doesn't substitute. And part of the benefit is that, you know, it helps out the offensive line or, the benefit is that, you know, you can kind of, I, I, I want to say think less and just go out there and play. I mean, that's a benefit too. And um, when you see your quarterback playing well in that kind of offense, I think you'd want to do whatever you can to 
maximize that and to use that as much as you can. And so like you, I mean, I, like you said, you don't have to hurry when you're doing that. You don't have to um, rush everything or say we have to get in all of these plays in a two-minute span or whatever. But you can go a little more up-tempo. You can um, get to the line faster and use those sort of things that um, helps you out, I think, in the long run as long as um, you have an offense that's capable of doing it. And I think Andrew Luck and the Colts offense has shown when they get behind in games, they can do that. And so my question is, why don't you try that earlier in games if you're starting so slow? So speaking of Pagano, you know, the comment that you said there about the, you know, the grouping of personnel, and it almost sounds kind of lazy as to why they wouldn't want to do it that way. Like it's, it's just easier to kind of do it the way we've been doing, as opposed to giving it a little bit more effort to, to, to mix things up a little bit or, you know, to quickly get substitutions out there or, you know, or whatever, but more to the, to the point with Pagano, you know, I, I think we talked about this when I had you on earlier about how I was surprised that Pagano and Grigson were back, let alone got extensions on top of it all. I mean, how's, how's everybody feeling about that now? Cause I, I, cause I honestly, like I said, the, the Colts are my AFC team still not, still not happy about it. And, and wondering if, uh, if Ursay is just going to have to eat that salary and let those guys go because it's obvious that it's not working. Well, that's certainly the prevailing um, opinion around Indianapolis. And, you know, I think a lot of people felt that way last year. I know I last year I thought, you know, both of uh, both Chuck Pagano and Ryan Grigson, their GM, should be gone um, and really, you know, have questions about them going back several years. And I think really those same errors have shown up again this year. I mean, you have a team that starts slow. They've been doing that for years. You have a team that's not entirely disciplined. I mean, they're the most penalized defense in football this year. Um, that's been going on for a few years now. Um, a couple of years ago, they were very good in that regard. But overall, they've been pretty undisciplined. you got a team that doesn't look prepared or well-coached for games. That's been going on for a while. So you can kind of go down the list, and you see these errors are not new things. And um, you see the team that's not entirely talented, and you see a team that's not maximizing the talent. Or you see a team that hasn't really brought in um, the best personnel, and you also see a team that's not well-coached. So I think it's a, um, both of them are to blame in terms of Pagano and Grayson, but I think the overwhelming opinion of Colts fans, at least the Colts fans that I interact with, and those are there's plenty of them, is that uh, they should be gone. And, and in fact, we just put up a poll on the site uh, the other day of a uh, Chuck Pagano approval rating. And I think the current number is 95%. We had a couple thousand fans um, chime in. I think 95% um, disapprove of the job Chuck Pagano is doing as Colts head coach. Like It is an overwhelming opinion. And, and the question is, as you alluded to, is does Jim Ursa just eat that salary? And I think a bigger question, because Ursa really hasn't shown that he's motivated by money when he makes these decisions. I mean, he really hasn't had that precedent of saying, because I'm paying this guy so much, you know, oh, well, I can't make any move. But I think it's more, does Ursa is he willing to admit a mistake this early? It's only a couple of games into the season, and all, already everything's going wrong. Fans are turning on the team and, and on Pagano. And it's, when is Ursa willing to admit, admit that mistake? Is it during the season? Is it after the season? Or is he going to give him a little longer? Because last January, he gave him a four-year contract extension. That was a pretty big vote of confidence. So I think the bigger question in Indianapolis with the Colts is, when's Jim Mercer going to be willing to admit that um, that decision was a mistake, or is he going to keep giving them as much time as possible to try to, to um, improve on the issues? But since they're issues we've seen for a while, I think with every game, it becomes less and less optimistic that they're going to be able to work it out because these issues have been there for quite a long time. 
Yeah, and, and the one thing that, that I'm noticing is that, um, you know, it's, it's really kind of a league-wide thing is the amount of injuries that are popping up everywhere. It is, it is more and more important these days to hit on your draft picks so that you have depth for guys to step in uh, when people go down. The Colts used to be one of the more deeper teams, or at least when they lost someone, it didn't hurt as much because they had quality guys behind, and that seems to be something that's really been missing from the Colts the last couple of years. Yeah, they well. Part of the problem is they've been having hard enough time finding starters, and so it's hard to find. True, yeah. Can't even find starters. Um, so yeah, they're not a very deep team, and I mean, I, I knew that coming in, but even watching training camp, it was kind of shocking how um, how much lacking they were in depth and how um, how bad it was. And and I mean, you see that now. You see uh, even as they play games and with guys stepping in for injuries. Just an example: last Sunday against the Jaguars, they're down two starting off as a lineman and a depth guy. And so obviously you're not going to be down three key linemen every week, but they had to put in Austin Blythe, who's a seventh round center this year at guard. And he struggled quite a bit, but you know, that's the problem is when you don't have depth like that. And then, like I said, you're not going to have that problem every week. So you're not going to have three linemen go out and that's kind of a different circumstance, but they don't really have a lot of depth. And a lot of that is due to their drafting, as you mentioned. And, and a lot of that is just for the first few years, Ryan Grigson really didn't do a good job of bringing guys in, especially on the defensive side of the football. Um, actually, I think in the 2012, 13 and 14 drafts, they don't have any draft picks on the defensive side of the football still on the team. I mean, it's, it was bad. And so the last two years have been better in terms of adding depth guys, but it put them so far behind. I mean, they're in year five of the the, um, Griggs and Pagano luck era, and the team is not great. And I think it's because early on they didn't do a good job of laying that foundation. And so now instead of trying to add depth, they're still trying to find starters. And so at this point you'd like them to have had most of the starters figured out so you can be focusing on that depth, but they're still trying to figure out just finding 22 solid, reliable starters, it's hard enough for them right now, and they're, they're far from uh, having done that, and so um, they can't really focus on the depth until they can uh, focus on that. Right. Well, so here we are, the first quarter of the season in the books. They're 1-3. and three. Um, They've pretty much been in every game, but, you know, letting them slip away or not being able to catch up enough uh, at the end, but the season is far from over. we still got 12 games to go, including this game on Sunday, and the schedule isn't you know all that formidable uh ahead i mean you still got the packers and the vikings you got the texans twice and you got the steelers the raiders uh the jets but these are all you know games that 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 if they hang tough they can steal a good portion of them you know what's what's your outlook on the rest of the year well like you said they've been uh competitive and so like if they can keep that up, if they can keep hanging around in games, odds are they're going to pull some of them out. I mean, when you have Andrew Luck, who's done it consistently over the past few years, make it come back, pull it out, you're going to win some of those games. The problem is doing so consistently, and we haven't seen them do that this year. So, like you said, the schedule is not overly tough, but the problem is they're in the easy stretch right now. And they are, you know, they played the Jaguars last week. They, were, uh, they didn't have a win until the Colts lost to them. I mean, actually, the first four games, the Colts played three teams that are one and three through the quarter mark of the season, and for two of them, the Colts are their only one so far. So they're, they're, right. they're at the part where these should have been the easy games, and if they can't take care of these games, then you start wondering, well, what is there to give confidence when they go against a team like, say, the Vikings, who have a very good defense, or a team like the Packers at Lambeau Field. 
um, or the Steelers on Thanksgiving night? What what gives confidence in those kind of games? And so I don't really think you can expect the Colts to really turn everything around, but I do think you can see them pull some of the games out that they haven't so far. We saw it against the Chargers. They score with less than two minutes left. They win that game against the Lions. They scored with less than a minute left, and then the defense gave it up. But, you know, so they've been there every game. So I think we'll see them pull out some of those throughout the rest of the year, but I think unless they can kind of improve their consistency, um, even on the offensive side of football, if they can get more consistent offensively in the first half, you'll see them start to pull out some more games. But I can't really say right now that I'm expecting it or expecting a great turnaround because we haven't really seen that so far. And if they can't beat a team like the Jaguars or a team like the Chargers or you know some of these teams that haven't done particularly well this year or coming up, the Bears, who have, haven't done overly well this year either. They're 1-3. If they can't win those games, then I'm, I'm going to have a hard time seeing them pull out a win at Minnesota or at Green Bay or against the Steelers or stuff like that. Yeah, no, that's definitely uh, definitely a good point. Um, so going into this game, last thing you know, I'm going to ask you is, um, you know, what what is it that the Colts need to do to win this game on Sunday? What I mean, aside from getting off to a fast start, what's something that they absolutely have to do if they want to be able to walk away with the win on Sunday? I think one of the big things is protect Andrew Luck, and you know, I I think that there's there's been a lot made of that already, and I think most. Uh, people around the NFL, whether you're a fan of the Colts or not, realize that their protection has not been great. And, you know, they were, they were supposed to improve that this year. I think they did in some regards because Ryan Kelly at center is looking um, – he looks like the real deal. I mean, he's, he's had some rookie struggles, but he's been very solid. So if you're adding those pieces that look good. Joe Hayes is another guy who's started a few games due to injury and looks like a good uh, lineman they got. So, I mean, they've added some pieces, but – Still, Luck is, I, I think he's the most sacked quarterback in the NFL, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, he's still getting hit a lot. And last week, we saw that supporting cast fail him, really. He got sacked six times, hit 13. His receivers dropped five passes. I mean, um, it, it, it was pretty bad overall with Luck's supporting cast. So I think probably the biggest thing they need to do, because they're not going to change who they are. Defensively, they're going to be who they are right now. They're an average unit at best. And, and, often they're going to look worse. So I don't think you can really expect the defense to magically turn everything around. And, and maybe they'll play well. They, I mean, we've seen them do well against Melvin Gordon in the run game, and then the next week get destroyed by T.J. Yeldon, who hadn't been having a good year. So um, it's really inconsistent for the defense, and I don't think you can expect them to be anything more than that. But I do think you can expect the offense to be better. And I think that the, they need to protect Luck more. I think that they need to, the receivers need to get open and make some plays. Because Luck has been having a good year but he can't do it all himself. And so I think with a team like the Bears coming to town, if you can get your offense going and if you can get Andrew Luck going, you're going to be in that game, whether you, know, whether you have to make a comeback or whether you're going to be ahead and, and win the game or whether you're going to lose in a close one. If you can get Luck in the offense going, you're going to be in the game. But he needs help. He needs time. He needs his receivers to get open. He needs some of those things that um, we haven't seen, or at least last week for, for sure we didn't see. So – I think if you can get the offense going, and of course, like you said, fast start, getting them going early, but even just just helping Luck out so that he doesn't have to run for his life or try to make plays when they're not there, uh, if you can get the offense going, the Colts are going to be in the game, even if their defense struggles a little bit. So I think that's the biggest thing is get the offense going, get Luck some help, and be able to score some points. All right. Well, thanks uh, for for coming back onto the show, Josh. We love uh 
love having you. And like I said, uh, any other Sunday I'm rooting for the Colts, but uh, this Sunday I'm just going to wish you the best of luck and uh, hopefully everybody comes out healthy uh, at least because God knows both of our teams have suffered enough injuries so far. Uh, that's a perfectly expectation, uh, reasonable expectation, and I wouldn't expect anything less from you. <laughs> Josh Wilson from Stampede Blue on SB Nation helping us with the Colts and the Bears for week number five. And just real quick, before I let you guys go, just some quick keys to the game. I'm going to go ahead and agree with what Kyle was saying, with what Josh uh, was saying. It's it's pretty much the blueprint that everyone else has been using up to this point. Unfortunately for the Colts, they haven't quite been able to stop it just yet. They haven't been able to stop people from getting after Andrew Luck. They haven't been able to stop people from running the football. Two things that, well, one thing, especially with Jordan Howard last week against the Lions, something that the Bears were very good at last week. Over almost five yards of carry for Jordan Howard last week. If the Bears could do something similar to that against Luck and the Colts, they'll be able to dominate time of possession like they did last week. And if, if they could also put some pressure on Luck, force some turnovers, get the Colts behind early, that would be a great thing as well. However, as you heard Josh kind of talk about there, what we really want to avoid, what's most important for the Bears this week, if we do get up early, is to make sure that we are playing a 60-minute game. You know, don't let what happened to the Jaguars happen to us where – you know, the Bear, the the Jags went up big early, like 21-3, to three, I think, was the score at one point in that football game, and the Jags had to hang on at the end to win 30-27. to 27. Let's not put ourselves in that position. Let's just make sure that as long as the game is going, let's keep our foot on the gas until we see zeros on the board and the game is actually over. So we don't want the Colts coming back. And because uh, I think actually that's how they beat the Chargers. I think the Chargers were up and then they came back to to win that game uh, at the end. So I think that's that's how they won that game against San Diego a couple of weeks ago was that the Chargers were up and then the Colts came back late to take the lead and held on to win uh, at the end of that game. I mean, that's that's what happened with the I saw the end of the Detroit game. I saw Indianapolis score to take the lead with about their first lead of the game with about a minute 40 left to go, and they could not stop Detroit from driving back down the field to score the game-winning uh, touchdown. So, I mean, that's that's what happened there. I think it was a field goal, actually. But, um, you know, that's how it went down. we got to make sure that, like the Lions, we're playing a 60-minute football game. We're playing all the way to the end and not letting the Colts catch us with our pants down in the fourth quarter when we think that everything is hunky-dory and uh, letting them come from behind and steal a uh, victory from the jaws of defeat. So if we get the Colts down, we want to keep them down and you know play all the way through to the end of the game, not get lax and let the Colts catch up in the fourth quarter. So that is going to do it. A lot of information being tossed around uh, between myself and my co-hosts. I want to thank Kyle and Josh for being on the show with me, and I hope to have them both back on sometime real soon. Um, and um, come on back on Monday, and we'll do the review episode, talk about how it all went down, have the Bears won two in a row, or... Are we on another losing streak as we head back home to face the Jaguars for week six? So until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Chicago Bears Review.
As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.